Welcome to the Hard Fat Truth. This is a podcast about weight loss and building a community around weight loss. Whether you want to lose weight or whether you've already lost weight and want to help others, we're going to take this journey together and this project together. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bell. Let's get the show started. Welcome to the next episode of the Hard Fat Truth. We're over six months in podcasting and we're talking about healthy lifestyles, ways to engage each other, healthy assignments that we take on, as well as our flaws, what we have for mistakes, what our learning grounds are, things that we make errors on. But the proper path is the continual path of improvement. So making sure that we're 1% better as we go along, making sure that we are making the right thing and making improvements and accepting the fact that sometimes we fall down. But the big key is getting back up and taking those mistakes and making a set of stairs out of them and climbing up from where we're at. It's about being successful overall in the long run, not about what we did the last two days. If we thought about what we did in just the last two days, well, shit, I can tell you that I was away for work and I ate out and I didn't quite eat the right things. But I can also tell you I did some things to be successful, as in I fasted and skipped supper because I knew I ate out at lunch. So I have some tools and techniques and some ways that I'm helping myself. And I've achieved some milestones over the last couple of years, but mostly I grew up as a fat kid. And there's no denying that. I was not healthy. I was not overly into sports. I was a bit more of a dorky kid that played Dungeons and Dragons and board games and got into computers and kind of stuff that people would call geeky at the time. And that's okay, because that's acceptable. And that's where I'm at. It wasn't until I got into my 30s that I finally decided, hey, something's not right here. I'm doing something wrong. And I started my uphill battle. And that uphill battle of pushing the rock uphill was tough. It was tough every day. So I took myself from 290 pounds down to about 200 pounds. In fact, I'd even hit 190 at one point while I was doing triathlons. And for me, that was pretty amazing. To think that the fat kid at 290 pounds could drop 100 pounds and take on all kinds of triathlons and running and half marathons, that absolutely amazed me in my mid-30s. But I lacked the confidence. I lacked the confidence to understand that I was no longer a fat kid. I sat and looked in mirrors and I sat and looked at myself at everywhere I went and I saw 290 pound me everywhere I went. It's taken well over 10 years to realize that I'm successful at what I do. I'm successful at what I've done. I've kept the weight off and lived a healthy lifestyle. Now, I've gone through some periods of work and time where I've put that weight back on and I've struggled with it. But... In the last year, I decided to start this podcast as a journey to make sure that I got my life back on track. So this is my accountability. This is my why. And this is my purpose. Because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to walk into a store and grab a triple X shirt to have to try on and not want to try them on. And I know what it's like when you're shopping for clothes and you feel like the fat guy and you don't want to look in the mirror and you wear over baggy clothes that really don't even fit you because you're trying to hide things or you're just uncomfortable and the giant baggy clothes are really comfortable. I get it. I've been there. I've lived it. It's my life. However, I've had some success. And with me, I've had success with people out along the way. I've had other people who have had success. The proven track record of helping people and watching people make lifestyle changes, that says something. Yet, I still suffer from cognitive distortion and areas of my life where I think I'm not successful, 
even when the data and information supports it. I'm currently 207 pounds. When I started this podcast, I was 240. I had climbed that far back up and decided that's the most I'd weighed in 10 years and I wasn't going to be there. So with the podcast, the help of the people in the Facebook group, and help of others around me in my support systems, I've been able to get back down to 207 pounds and achieve uh, what I would call a maintenance state, a maintenance status or a maintenance goal. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm living a healthy lifestyle. My improvements now are much smaller. A little bit here, a little bit there. I'm not going to see 10 pounds drop off that easy. When I was 290 pounds, the first 20 pounds was pretty darn easy to lose. So that's really it. I just wanted to kind of jumpstart and get everybody back in. If you hadn't tuned in way back at the beginning of my podcast and understand what's going on or why I'm doing this project and why I've decided to take it on, there's the refresher. So with that said, I just want to say, if you've tuned in from the beginning, thank you. I definitely, definitely appreciate that uh, as listeners that you've listened to my podcast and you've put up some stuff. I realize that not every podcast will articulate with you and that you will not agree with every podcast. That's okay. I don't agree with everything every single day. Sometimes I don't even agree with myself. But there's information in every one of these podcasts that's going to help someone. And that's been relevant to me. Having the one or two people every once in a while reach out to me and say, hey man, that really resonated with me. Or hey, those are some good ideas and I'm going to implement those. Or hey, those were great ideas. I did implement them and I've lost 15 pounds. The better part is when they tell me, I feel so much better and I feel happier. That's the key. You feel happier. You feel ready to take on the world. You feel, um, you know, there's just, there's a bounce in your feet. But there's going to be peaks and valleys. You're going to have those peaks moments and that's going to feel amazing. But you're going to have a valley afterwards. You know, tonight, we're going to discuss sugar. And we're going to discuss the effects of sugar. And we're going to discuss how that has peaks and valleys to us. You know, I think that as I reach out and talk to more people, I'm educating myself more and more. I understand the high-level stuff. I haven't gone into details on things. But more stuff comes to the forefront all the time. And I'm constantly educating myself. I'm always reading. I'm always listening to other podcasts. I'm always experimenting with my health. I'm not sitting on a couch wallowing in myself. It happens. But it happens for brief moments in that valley. My peaks are much more flatlined. My valleys are much more flatlined now. They've kind of come closer together so that there isn't a broad range between the two. And that stabilization comes from exercise and working out. And I will say that something resonated with me the other day in one of the podcasts I was listening to. So I often listen to a podcast by a gentleman called Ryan Mickler. And that podcast is called Order of Man. And Ryan, now I belong to a group that he also runs called the Iron Council. And I'm going to give kudos to that. It's about a bunch of men that get together and try and help each other improve. And Ryan is the leader, the main leadership part of that. And there's several other people, um, myself and people that are part of the leadership program within that. But, and we're all leading each other. But the big key are some of the big people he has on his podcast. You know me, I'm just a little guy. I call it a hometown guy that's slowly reaching out and getting out to people here and there. But that's how Ryan started. And he managed to reach people and stay steady at it, and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, recently, he had a friend on. It was one of the first times I'd heard the podcast by the gentleman, Bedros, and he had him on again. Now, this gentleman owns franchises and gyms, and runs a whole company that franchises out gyms, leads a healthy lifestyle, 
uh, grew up as an immigrant whose parents couldn't afford anything. And he's made the statement in podcasts that I've heard before where his parents had to siphon gas out of a car to wash his hair with gasoline to rid them of lice as they were kids. So these people have had nothing and he's built his millionaire wealth from the ground up. But the biggest part during the interview that hit me, that really resonates with me, is he talked about how we are as humans going through life. We all have a purpose. Right now, I have a couple of purposes. The podcast is my purpose. That's my healthy lifestyle side of it. Uh, raising my kids and being an influence on them is a purpose. Uh, you know, before this podcast, I sat down here and I did my workout today. And my son came down and did the full workout with me, engaged it. And did the whole thing, talked about how tough it was. We talked about how I wanted to quit. With four minutes left to go, I explained to him, I want to quit right now. This sucks. It hurts. It's mentally challenging. Anywhere we have growth, we have discomfort. When we're sitting around comfortable, you're not growing. So if you're sitting around listening to this right now and your life's pretty darn comfortable and your exercise routine is pretty darn comfortable, you're probably not experiencing growth. Now, let me take, I'm not even going to say probably. You're not fucking experiencing growth whatsoever. Your health is not growing. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's the truth. And I've been that guy. I've been that guy that's meandering through the odd little workout going, well, you know, I'm doing some workouts and kind of eating okay. And I don't understand why I'm not losing any weight. Well, I can go back and tell you why I wasn't losing weight. Because I wasn't doing anything that was putting me out of my comfort zone. And I wasn't doing anything that was difficult. It was easy. It was the easy path. But the big part that resonated with me in this, as I go off on 15 different tangents, was that he talked about having a purpose. And then it, we're not far off from being sheepdogs. And this really hit me. I thought, you know, I'm a human, not a sheepdog. But it, they've taken experiments with sheepdogs. And if they're out herding cattle or herding sheep, any herding dog, and they're doing their job, and they're acting out their purpose, they're active, they're happy, they're running around wagging their tail, they're living life the dream. But if you take that dog out of that environment, and he doesn't have anything to herd, and he doesn't have anything to do, and you turn him into a pet, and he's in the backyard digging holes, he's digging holes because he's not working on his purpose, and he's not getting anything done that he wants, and the dog doesn't seem very happy. How does this relate to you? If you're not out there with a purpose and your health isn't part of your purpose and your healthy lifestyle isn't part of your purpose, where are you digging holes in your life right now? Think about that for a minute. Think about the depression cycles that set in. Think about the eating bad foods and then sitting around after and feeling guilty for it. Where are you digging and punching holes in your life right now because you're not doing anything with purpose? I bet there's a lot of spots. I bet that you're listening to this right now and it's either sticking with you and you're going, oh yeah, yeah, that's me. I've done that. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I've, been, I've been digging a hole over here. You know, and you're driving around. What does your car look like inside? Is it messy all over the floor? Have you got garbage laying everywhere? I'm going to tell you I'm a bit guilty of that right now having been on the road the last couple of days. But that tells me what I think about myself and my vehicle and the time I'm going to take to do that. And he said the same thing. This guy's driving around in a million dollar Ferrari and it looked like a dumpster inside. 
until he realized, oh, I need to get my life in order here and I need to get things in order. And you start with the small stuff like cleaning your car and it leads to bigger things. You don't become a millionaire overnight. You don't lose a hundred pounds overnight. You don't go out and take one magic diet pill and lose the weight. You don't go out and eat one clean meal and you're healthy. You do it by doing one little thing and they stack and they pile up on each other and they pile and they pile and it grows and that growth becomes your eventual potential. The problem is, is every time you fail on one of those 1% and you let that take you down the downward spiral and you fail over and over and over, or you dig the holes and you dig the holes deeper, you get into a depression cycle or you get into a poor me cycle or I'm never going to be successful cycle. Go find your purpose, man. That's my tangent. You know, as I struggle with my own purpose, I struggle with podcasts, I struggle with life. I try to do a million things at once and I sometimes I take on too much and that's a reality. Um, and just recently launched a small business on the side and I'm doing the podcast and I'm working out and I'm trying to run my Instagram account and I'm trying to run the Facebook group and I'm launching product in my full-time job at work and I'm trying to lead my family by example and I'm trying to work myself out of a job with kids by leading them and having them do the right thing and I'm trying to read books. A gentleman I work with and that I know through family dropped me off a book and said, hey, I think you'd find this interesting. The book is by Michael Moss and it's called Salt, Sugar, Fat. And it's about how the food giants hook us. So last night I can't sleep. And often when I can't sleep, I get up and read. Reading helps relax. It helps turn my mind off to everything else that I'm worrying about and everything I'm thinking of doing. And normally it'll make me fall asleep. Unfortunately, last night I read the first chapter of this and not only did it not make me fall asleep, it made me start thinking even more. So I had about two and a half hours sleep last night. It happens. That's fine. I'll get caught up tonight. That's not good. It's not good for your health and you need the full eight hours. But what's interesting is it gets into the initial stages of understanding that we don't often purchase food based on nutrition. I know in Canada, we have to have nutrition labels on everything and that's important and that's great. And that's really a new thing in terms of the food and the food industry for us. Um, it's there and it's available now, but our parents didn't grow up with that. They didn't raise us with that. So why we buy food is based on taste. What we want to taste and the flavors we want to have. This goes back to sort of my other stuff, embracing the boar. Embracing the boar is when I'm eating for nutrition. I'm eating based on nutrition labels and I'm not eating based on what my mind wants to eat because of the flavors and the taste. That doesn't mean I can't take the boar and turn around and give it some flavor, but it's the repetition and not eating the carbohydrates and the other things that go along with it. So the interesting part that I got into this is the first chapter started reading, talking about the tongue map. Some of us, if we're, you know, of my generation, remember that they used to give us uh, information on the tongue and here's the map and here's the areas that taste sweet. Here's the areas that taste salt. That came from the early 1900s. So, the book starts to go on and talk about that that's not the reality. The actual map is more that your whole tongue can taste sugar. One area might be slightly more sensitive than the other, but that's not the case. In fact, that whole system is connected and going all the way down through into your stomach and through your digestive system, 
there are triggers and there are receptors for sugar all the way through that. Now, the food industry may not want you to know that, but they know that. They've done the studies. They've done the research and they've paid for the research and they've researched stuff with other people who are already down this path. And they then cater their food to hit those sensory receptors for the best possible response to make you want to purchase something. So what happened is over time, we've changed what we do. We've changed what we eat. We've changed from the 70s to now with high fructose corn syrup and with soda. So what they basically said is from the 70s, over the next 30 years, they actually increased the amount of sugar-sweet soda that we drank to, on average, 40 gallons per year per person. It wasn't until 2011 that that tapered off to 32 gallons. You think that's probably a good thing. We're drinking eight less gallons of pop a year. The problem is, is that's actually been replaced with energy drinks, vitamin waters, uh, sports aids like Gatorade. That's the one that throttles me. Gatorade. It's the sports drink. Man, have you ever read the label on that thing? I've had friends who give their kids Gatorade left, right, and center. Oh, it's good for them. There is more sugar in Gatorade than there is pop. Hand your kid a can of Coke. Don't hand them a Gatorade. Hand them water, actually. Do our kids get it? Every once in a while. I will buy some G2, which is very low in sugar. But the normal Gatorade, there is no reason that a kid should be drinking that in the summer. Unless they're at a state of dehydration or sick or you're using it for that as a once in a you know wild thing. It's ridiculous. So the interesting part of the book goes into two things that I'm going to jump into. And one was a gentleman that was doing a study that was trying to have rats get fat for part of the study. Um, and he had remembered a small study he had done back in university. And they were feeding the rats dog chow. It's just literally what they gave them. Uh, a protein and fat-based product and trying to overfeed them and free feed them so that they would gain weight to do some studies against them. And it wasn't working. And it wasn't until several months into this or several weeks into it, I'd have to go back and read, that he remembered that he had done an experiment that got rats to come out of the dark in the corner by feeding them Fruit Loops. He literally sent his assistant down to the store remembering this Fruit Loop experiment and had the assistant by Fruit Loops. And the Fruit Loops were what they fed them. And immediately upon free feeding Fruit Loops to these rats, they were gorging. They would continue eating no matter how much product was there. They would continue eating and gain weight. The high sugar product, the rat had no issue constantly eating and overeating and eating until it pretty much was probably sick to its stomach. But on the high protein and high fat, it didn't do that. So they were able to make the rats gain weight on that. Quite interesting. The next part I got into was reading and finding out that food giants also registered tons of studies and gather a bunch of information to build product and put the amount of sugar in it to reach what it calls its bliss level. Now, this isn't something I heard before, and it's probably not something you've heard before. The bliss level is where they actually take a product 
with a crowd of people and they continue to change the sugar content in that product until it reaches the state of bliss for the majority of people who are going to eat it. They're going to make it sweet enough that it's going to connect with your brain and going to connect with all those receptors through your tongue, down through your esophagus and down into your stomach and tell you that that's the best thing you ever tasted. Reading further into it, there's a science behind this bliss state. They know where it's at. They already have a rough estimate based on every product they produce that they can be very close to the ballpark when it comes to making a product. And then they take it to testing. What's interesting though is to find out that the bliss state for children versus the bliss state for adults is different. Adults do prefer a slightly less sugar content than what kids do. Um, I'm probably going to get this wrong. Again, I'd have to go back and do the research, but I believe that adults are in around the 24% range of sugar content in a product to be at a bliss state where children are more likely to be at 36%. And they realize that children process those sugars faster. They are growing individuals. Their body naturally probably wants more energy as they run around and as they're trying to grow and their body is trying to produce growth hormones and literally just that grow. So they want more calories. Their body naturally goes towards it. And that may be one of the factors. It's not the purest part of the whole experiment. But the interesting part is that they understand exactly how much sugar content needs to be in things. So they're not producing a product for you based on nutrition to try and provide you with the best possible nutrition. Now, I had jumped to another section in this book when I first got it real quick. And it got into talking about Kellogg's. And when I say Kellogg's, I say way back to the brand entry as a small business in the state of Michigan. And it does reflect on today. Now, it was interesting to read in that, that there were two brothers and the one brother created the product. The product we all know today as cornflakes. It was named slightly different, but it was created as a health food. But soon after, the other brother realized that they could manipulate that product so that more people desired it, it had less nutrition, they could produce it cheaper, and their profit margins were higher. That brother was the accountant in the industry. The other brother was the scientist in the industry who was working at a campus that they had trying to make people healthy. Now, we're not talking 20 years ago. We're talking a significant period of time ago. And that really stems to me that I think that that's where we're at in the food industry nowadays. There is those... There, pardon my English, I'm stumbling over it. There are those small companies out there that truly want to bring a healthy product to people and truly want to deliver a product based on nutrition. But I believe the majority of the companies out there are run by accountants and they're in it for profit. So what's the cheapest way they can make you a product? How much sugar do they have to add to hit the bliss spot so that you'll buy it because it's this tasty goodness item that you're going to buy? And how much of that product can they move so that they create a profit margin as a publicly traded company to turn over that and not really care about you at the end of the day? I, for one, believe that when I see Special K commercials, that that company is slowly trying to kill you and tell you that they're making a healthy product for you one calorie, one sugar granule, one dollar at a time. I've seen the Special K bars. I've read the nutrition labels on those. I've read the things that they tell you as a healthy breakfast with strawberries in it 
with a couple of dried berries inside of the product that's filled with carbohydrates and sugar and complex carbs. And I struggle. I really do. As I started to get healthier, I started to educate myself on this. So we had the high level look at it. But this is an interesting book. If you've got the time and you're interested in reading and diving in a little bit more, the book is called Salt, Sugar, Fat. It's by Michael Moss. And it's really interesting. I, I'm only one full chapter plus the preface into it. Uh, I had to put it down because I tried to sleep last night. And my intention is to uh, continue to read it a little bit further. It was given to me by an acquaintance, Teague LaPointe, and, uh, who really has educated himself on the healthy side of lifestyle. So I appreciate that he managed to give this to me. So I want you to think about that salt, sugar, and fat. And think of how the food giants are hooking us and how that they produce a product based on the bliss spot, not based on what they want to do to make you happy. It's based on them having the science to know what you're going to devour and put in your mouth, especially when you're trying to light up that limbic brain that we talked about in the past, the lizard brain, that's going to have that 50,000 time faster path connected right to the chemicals in your brain and the dopamine. That is going to fire off the dopamine. You're going to get the dopamine high. You're going to get the sugar high. And it's going to feel great for a short period of time. And that's going to give us some slight satisfaction. And then you're going to come back with a letdown later. Because you're not engaging your neocortex, which is the long-term version or the serotonin. Which also makes us feel good. But it's a little slower releasing. It's a little longer lasting and a little longer reacting. So... Um, you know, same thing. I, I know that behind it, but it comes back to Ryan's podcast where Bejo said the same thing. Like too many of us are out there trying to get the dopamine hit versus the serotonin hit. He talks about it in a different manner uh, and based on his own personal goals, not to do with food, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing with sugar and it's the same thing with how we eat when we're trying to fulfill that. So that's what I have for you today. Take a look at the book. I'm going to get further into it. We'll bring up some more on it later on as we get along. If you've got any questions, reach out. So we've got a Facebook group. So it's Facebook slash group slash Hard Fat Truth. Um, the members are slowly growing in there. We're engaging each other. We're checking in on each other. And we're helping each other when we fall down. And we're helping each other by leading each other by example. So I think that's pretty important. So I appreciate everybody's activity in there. If you're a listener to the podcast and you don't want to join the group, that's fine. Have the podcast. Give it a review. Take a look at it. Share it with people. So that's my call to action for you. If you're gaining value out of this, Take the podcast, share it, let somebody else know about it, and uh, let's grow it. Let's uh, grow it. If you are interested in being on the podcast, you know, I haven't thrown that out before, but I'm throwing it out now. If you're a listener and you've lived a lifestyle and you have something to add value, we all have something to do. We can all add value to this. So don't be afraid. If you think you can add value, reach out. Let's get you on the podcast. Let's sit down and let's talk about some stuff. It's really not that difficult. It's scary. Until you do it, sit down and realize it's not that bad. You're just sitting here having a conversation. We're going to make mistakes when we talk. We're going to stumble on some words when we talk. But when we cut through all that, there's a lot of value inside of these podcasts to myself and to others. So that's the important part. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And I hope everybody has a great weekend.